Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Through the miracle of internet radio, the Never Say Impossible show offers a unique opportunity for the sharing of information and a unique opportunity to tell the world your story about your accomplishments, your passions, your products, and how you can be contacted. The show is designed to introduce you to new people who will inspire, motivate, and inform you of innovative ways to breathe new life into your goals and dreams. At NSI, anything is possible until you say it's not. Listening to Never Say Impossible Radio. At NSI, we cover all kinds of topics. We share stories of success about people just like you with the public. Today, we are going to be talking about creating happiness, gratitude, and a feeling of well being in your life. Our topic finding the gift. Finding the gift is a topic that really resonates with me because I truly believe that no matter what happens to you in your life, whether it's good or bad, there is always a gift associated with that event. Sometimes, at least for me, it's been difficult to see, particularly if it has been a disappointment or tragic experience. However, No matter how awful you may feel about that event, when the dust clears and the tears dry, there will be a gift if you're willing to see it and accept it. Our guest today, Angela Howe, is the author of a new book called Finding the Gift, which is filled with metaphors and inspiration. Angela has been an extremely successful lady and comes from corporate America and Fortune 500 companies where she was a top-notch salesperson. No matter how successful she appeared on the outside to the rest of the world, no matter how many awards she was given for excellence and performance, Angela had her own demons to fight. She is here today to share with us her story and tell us about her book and how she began finding the gift and how she wants to share how to find the gift with you. Welcome, Angela. Thank you, Myra, for that wonderful introduction, and I am so excited to speak with you today. I know we've talked before, and both of us have had our 
opportunities in life to to get negative or to choose to find the gift. And I love finding a like-minded soul that has decided to look for the gift, um, you know, when life has handed us some adversity. Well, it's really something that we can learn. And that's why I'm so happy you're here, because if more people would learn to understand that they have this power within themselves to fold when things get tough or to say, okay, let me analyze this. This has happened and what did I learn from it? How did I grow? So why don't we start talking about you and why you chose to walk away from your first or, I don't know, first or several careers in sales and Find out what was missing, despite all the success you were having. Sure. That was my primary occupation. Uh, I, I knew from a very early age, after growing up really poor and having you know, quite a bit of chaos, I wanted security. And money seemed like it would be the answer to all my problems. And my dad had been in sales, and that seemed like the right path to go to get the security that I sought. And also, you know, due to low self-esteem issues, that would be how I would get um, validation in recognition and self-worth. I would get it outside of me because I didn't have it inside of me. And so despite, like you mentioned, I mean, I had to be the best. I couldn't be second. And so despite a very long 12-year career with uh, in sales, I started having this nagging feeling that I was just so empty and and I I feel like I was sleepwalking through a lot of my days and I couldn't figure out why I wasn't happy when I had everything I wanted. Um, So initially, I took a a leave and attempted to be a stay-at-home mom. Uh, When 9-11 hit, I was really driven for the first time in my life to re, uh, reassess my priorities. But life changed and I went back to work and I went straight back to what I always knew where I could get a, a really good living in sales. And then injury ended up taking me out very shortly after that. So I think I interpret that as a gift. It was a terrible, terrible time to basically be told I couldn't do that work anymore and that my body was not able to function even to do simple things like hold a toothbrush. Uh, It was a really hard time, but I believe now looking back on that, that was 11 years ago. It put me on a path to find what was missing and, and to find real fulfillment. Life is just too short and we just get this one. And uh, I'm, I'm so grateful. I ended up having to go through a lot of surgeries, and I still go to rehab, physical therapy. But I wouldn't trade a minute of it because it put me on the path I think I was supposed to be on all along. Isn't it amazing? Sometimes it does take a tremendous adversity to make you see because we believe we're, we're doing what we suppo- we're supposed to be doing, and it's not fulfilling us. And somehow we don't make the connect 
between what's wrong. I, I'm making money. I have all the creature comforts I want. In fact, maybe I have too many because mm-hmm. you begin not to appreciate. And, okay, I'm bored with that already. I need something else. With, uh, so you buy something else with this bonus you've made. It's so funny because our stories are so similar. Until you're really forced to stop that hamster wheel thing that you do and reassess what the heck is going on. Most of us just keep doing it and keep feeling empty. So when you you had this injury, and it almost doesn't matter what it was, what it did was stop you from making that uh, career choice, and you had to reassess where you wanted to go. So what happened then? Well, faced with the rest of my life and not having a clue what I was going to do with myself, I made a list of everything that I was good at, uh, everything that I enjoyed, and just started exploring things. But you know how things work. The best plans come seemingly out of coincidence. And so in the midst of all of that really hard time and doctors, it took them several years before they could figure out what was wrong with me. So that added a a huge amount of, of, I guess, added burden to we're not even working on what's wrong because we don't know what's wrong. Um, I started seeing these metaphors in nature and they were so profound and they gave me hope and encouragement and instruction for how to live a more fulfilled life that I started writing them down in notebooks, handwritten for me. No, no thoughts about writing a book at that moment. It was just for me. Also in the same year, I had a lot of time on my hands suddenly and I had always been somewhat interested in photography and I decided to start taking some uh, post-production classes like Photoshop and that sort of thing. And I volunteered to take pictures of a musician friend who dreaded calling the photographer and having her pictures made for a new CD. Well, it turns out I was good. I got her great stuff. She didn't have to call the photographer. So that year, in the midst of all that hardship, my professional life as I knew it ended, but a whole new creative life opened up. I didn't know it, but I started writing a book. And then I accidentally became a photographer. Neither of those was on the list that I had created of what I was good at. And so, you know, in the midst of surgery and physical therapy, those two things took off. I joined a photography club. I started doing group shows of my work. And I started nurturing another side of me that I had had always ignored. You know, again, back to my my goal in life was to have money and security. And what what do we hear about artists? They're starving. <laughs> it never even crossed my mind to do anything. I was going to say spiritual things. To me, those are spiritual things because they come from my spirit. That's something I talk about a lot, too. So many people, I actually have a background where I was wounded in the church, and, and I used to hear the word spiritual and think that was religious. It's very different. My spiritual centers where my creativity lies, 
And I was all but dead to that. It was, I just followed the formula they told me to do, go to school, get a degree, go get this job, be the best you can be. Well, that formula was not working. No, I don't think it works for most people. It's really unusual for a young person who starts out in the business community. They always start out, or at least it's been my experience, many of them start out with that goal. Make a lot of money, be successful. And they ignore the other side of themselves, saying, well, of course, artists don't make money, and musicians, you have to be the best to even get noticed, and on and on and on. So I think what happened to you Finding your spiritual self, your creative self, the artist in you is who you've always been, as you said, but mm-hmm. you followed that cookie cutter mold that we're all mm-hmm. told we've got to be successful in business. And yes, you can be successful in business, but through what you love doing, that's the secret. So that's really a wonderful story and for anybody listening make sure that if you're feeling that hole inside of you if you're you've got the white picket fence in the house and and the kids and the partner and all of that but there's still a hole make sure you understand what you really think your purpose is here on earth and that's the spiritual message that will set you free. So now you found this new outlet, but you also, how did you get over the eating disorder? Well, and before that, I just want to say one more thing about the what we were just talking about. Somebody may not have to do a complete career shift. It could be they just need to nurture more of their creativity on the side and they will have enough fulfillment that then maybe they can bring more of that back into what they do now. I wanted to say that. And then I also wanted to just say my nothing was wasted. No time was wasted. My ability to talk to people and cold call and promote and learn the business of marketing and sales, all of those gifts are being used in my present life. You know, I use them in photography. I'm using them as an author and a speaker. So the great thing is no time is wasted. We don't have to beat ourselves up for any decisions that we've made. Um, so, And I have a son who's a sophomore in college, and I can see that how in the world could we know what we want to do for the rest of our life at 20? You just do the best you can in that moment until the next moment reveals a different, you know, maybe a different choice. So I, I just wanted to say that. And do you want to comment before I go on and answer the eating disorder question? No, I agree with you 100%. I think it takes time, it takes experience, it takes self-examination, it takes honesty with yourself, being able to say to yourself, there's something not right here, and I'm the one who can change it. And that's why people who work, with, who've gone through it and work with people and help them find their way and find the gift are so important because the best athletes in the world go to super coaches 
because they, mm-hmm. they need guidance and they need someone that will lift them up when they need to be lifted up and put them in the right direction. So, you know, I think what you're doing is wonderful. And yes, the eating disorder question, because the same thing happened to me. When mm-hmm. you stifle what you re- what, who you really are, even though you're not wasting, because I learned a lot from 20, 25 years in corporate America, but the same thing happened to me. When you suppress the real you, it comes out in other ways. Is that what happened to you? I think for me it was backwards. It was the 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 trauma and the chaos and insecurity and the things that I went through as a child developed, uh, you know, all the right things to come together to to develop anorexia and bulimia really young. I was practicing by 13, but even at nine, I was convinced that I was fat and and I wasn't, and just thought being thin at that time would be the you know, life answer to all my problems because I grew up, you know, in a family that valued external appearance and being thin seemed to be the number one way I could think of to get everyone's approval. So that put me on a path of, and then I didn't deal with my emotions. And so my eating disorder was a way to deal with anger and, you know, fear and shame. And so I developed the eating disorder And I think what I did is, you know, at 17, I entered my first treatment center for three months. And unfortunately, I just wasn't ready and had to take take a couple of more inpatient stays over the next seven years before it finally took hold. I had only been in corporate America for about a year. Well, what did I do? I transitioned my addiction basically to workaholism. So I am working a program for my eating disorder within a year of, of you know, graduating college and getting my first sales job with a Fortune 500 company, and all of my focus was still external. It was just on the job versus my body, and I worked night and day. I mean, I got up early. I was at the office before everyone else. I left later than everyone else. I brought work home. I still, you said something earlier about self-honesty. I was not... You can't be honest with yourself if you're not tuned into yourself. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't. I was just driven to be as successful as possible, probably even more for the recognition and the validation of myself as a human being, even more than the bank account. So I just transferred addictions. Well, I think that's very common. I think addictive personalities, when they don't get to the core of the addiction, why they are addicted. And I'm not talking about drugs, or, or um, which is a real disease. I'm talking about emotional addictive behavior. I think you just transfer. So if, you, if you're a person who's addicted to oh, gambling, let's say, and you stop gambling, well, maybe then you you start smoking or vice versa. You're smoking and smoking and smoking and you have to stop smoking so you find another addiction. And and if you don't go for help and deal with it, then it's just going to transfer over. So 
you manage to overcome the physical issues that you were having. You managed to overcome the the eating disorder. Amazing. And then you went on to develop this new career as a photographer and the metaphors that you were writing and keeping in a journal, when did you decide that you had enough material and you believed in yourself enough to write a book? I think probably after the first year or two of getting metaphors and writing them down, I started having the desire to have them all in one place for me. It was going to be my life handbook. And I decided at that point, well, I might as well consider putting it out there. And, you know, like any new thing I've ever done, there's those voices of, oh, who's going to, you can't do that. Who's going to want to read your stuff? This is just your journaling. Um, But at some point I did count them up. I think the first time I counted, I felt like I'd been writing forever. I only had 55. I'm like, are you kidding me? And I counted up, you know, well, if I write one a day and you know, this amount of time, I'll have that many. And so it ended up taking eight years because I found a couple of things. When I was expectant to receive a gift, a metaphor, an insight, I was much more likely to receive one than when I wasn't looking. And there were seasons within that time frame where I kind of turned off my spiritual receptor again and I just went through life and Maybe it was a surgery and another five months of rehab. I, I'm not sure, but but all in all, eight years, I I had 366, which was great because here we are in a leap year, and the year I finally launched was a leap year. So I got people <laughs> covered on February 29th. Unbelievable. Give me an example of one of your metaphors. I would love to do that. I'll give you a choice. I've got lessons from the dog that I like to talk about and lessons from the car wash. Which one do you want to hear? They're both funny. <laughs> I think I think lessons from the car wash is even more unusual than lessons from the dog because animals convey things to us. But we don't think of car wash. <laughs> you know... I I seriously remember posting on Facebook, okay, is it me or do all the rest of you drive through a car wash and get this profound life lesson? (laughs) That that was really my reaction to some of these things. I'm kind of like, this is so bizarre. Is it just me? And when I realized, I think it is just me, I I think I'm (laughs) supposed to write these down. So one day in March, so the car wash metaphor is actually coming up in the book on March 7th. One day in March, I drove through a car wash, and it occurred to me how violent it was in there. And I felt like I was going through a life in fast forward. In fact, it's only two paragraphs. I'll read it. Um, Yes, please. I, I drove through the car wash this morning to get the remains of a wet winter off my car. Going through the different phases of the car wash, I felt as if I was experiencing everyday life in fast forward. We live life. Things get messy. Our outlook can become covered with a grimy film, and we don't feel as shiny anymore. Less sparkle. The droppings of life land on us just because that's life. And some things, relationships, jobs, negative encounters, 
do leave a residual slime on us. Before you know it, we are a big, dirty, tired mess. The process of getting restored and polished back to our original state can sometimes feel like we're going to drown or get beaten to death before we come out the other side shiny and new again. But in the car wash, I whizzed right on through all the cycles and came out the other side able to see more clearly. I didn't even realize how dirty my windshield had gotten until it was cleaned. I am so thankful for the reminder that life is going to get messy at times, and I need regular maintenance to make sure I get restored to where I feel and look my best. I can trust in the process and know without a doubt I will come out the other side refreshed, renewed, and ready to do it again. So that's an example. <laughs> that's How. an example of that. So next time you go in the car wash, those can't, those like big strappy things that come down and they're whipping you, and then all of a sudden <laughs> you've got so much goo you can't even see in front of you. But what's so amazing is that conveyor belt. Just like life, if we don't slam on the brakes, quit, give up, try to grab. I mean, think about that. There's another metaphor. How good would it do if we grabbed the steering wheel with a white-knuckle grip trying to turn it and get out of there? We can't go anywhere. We can surrender to the process and let it just glide us through and trust and trust. And pretty soon the rinse happens and then the dry. So we made it and we're better. Angela, I think that is profound. And I do think it is a special gift that you found in yourself, I have gone through the car wash and have felt <laughs> frightened, have felt relief when I've gotten to the other side, but I personally never related it to life, but it is exactly like life. It's, you start out all bright and shiny, and then stuff gets on you. Mm-hmm. It's so, so true and so well put. It, it's I think your book, if it's any, the rest of the book is anything like that, is really going to be amazing. And I have not read it. I've just read about it and amazing. So anybody who reads it and loves it, don't forget to leave a review on on, uh, Amazon for Angela. Uh, I'm going to take a very short break, Angela. And when I come back, I want to find out how people get in touch with you, your coaching programs and your speaking and everything else. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Thank you. Sign up today for my weekly radio show announcements and guest information and receive a free chapter of my newest book, Dancing on Your Disabilities, Never Say Impossible to Your Dreams, My Story of Perseverance, Passion, Hope, and Happiness. Dreams do come true despite adversity. If I can do it, you can do it too. Hello again, and I'm Myra. This is NSI Radio, and we're speaking to Angela Howell, who is the author of Finding the Gift, and she is one amazing, spiritual, uplifting lady who is honest about her life and how she's grown and wants to share that with others. So first, 
Let me ask you, Angela, how do people contact you? Well, thank you, Myra. It's always so fun to talk to you, too. We, we are two of a kind, sisters on this journey. Um, I have a website at findingthegift.com. That is the best way to find me. Of course, I'm on social media, Facebook. Uh, you could Google Angela or search for Angela Howell Author. I'm on Twitter at Finding the Gift. LinkedIn, Angela Howell Author. Those are, that's where you can find me. Wonderful, wonderful. I'm very, very impressed because I'm always thinking, well, very similar to what you're thinking, but I never in such a poetic way. So that is a wonderful, wonderful gift. Now, after writing this book, and you speak a lot about meditation and mindfulness, I want to know about that, but then you wrote a coaching program. So I want to know all, all about how you put this all together. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, you know, and one thing you said, I, I was going to see if I could try to find it real quick. I'll pull it up. Someone had, uh, I have a lot of wonderful reviews on Amazon, and one of them meant so much to me. It was so short, but this is what this person said. She called it a morning wake-up call by Judith. What a lovely way to start the day. Each passage is like taking a big breath and saying, oh, right, a little grounding, a little reminder of what's important and permission to just enjoy. But, but it's not like these things are things we haven't all thought before. It's just somehow this metaphor was given to me that, that helps us all go, oh, yeah, I just hadn't, I hadn't wrote, written it down or haven't exactly you know, conceived the thought, but it's all inside us. So... Um, Anyway, the, uh, I have written a coaching program. I haven't officially launched it yet. The name um, is probably going to be A Life Worth Having. There are nine modules. And basically, you know, I didn't just magically heal from an eating disorder and then magically shift from chasing money to living more authentically as I am now. There has been a lot of work, a lot of 12-step work, therapy, creative recovery. I did the artist way a couple of times. I go to seminars. I'm an avid reader as I look around at my office that is just, you know, flooded with books on spirituality and, and how to get along with people and, you know, of every topic. I don't, I don't rule a book out just because I may not agree with everything that person says. I'm very open-minded and, um, I, I, so my coaching program is the result. For me, it's the best of the best of all the things that stuck with me, practices that I still use today when I'm encountering maybe hesitation or I've gotten into some loop mentally that I need to overcome or maybe I've got some doubts that I deserve to earn this amount of money for this activity you know, there are nine distinct modules with exercises within them to help overcome in that particular area. And I'm probably going to launch, uh, the plan is to launch some sort of online uh, rollout so that people anywhere can tap into this. But I don't have much more to tell you than that. Um, I do work with individuals that I have very limited ability to commit to too many clients. I have maybe one or two openings right now, and that's that's about it. So uh, 
That's yeah, kind well, of it the sounds coaching. exciting, though. It sounds many people, as they transition through life, particularly in our environment here and our society where so many people have gone through changes, they've lost career opportunities because of jobs that have gone overseas and so forth. So there's so many people that are looking to find something to fill the gap. And they don't know where to begin and they don't know how to start. And they look at lots and lots of things and nothing seems right. And what I feel they're missing is talking it through with the coach. And the coach very often can help you hear what your own internal you is saying that you may be missing. Yes, yes, yes. I'm like a thousand <laughs> times. Yes, you've got it. I work with a coach. I have a coach. Just like you yes. said, athletes, the premier athletes have coaches. They can to get the best out of that person. Yes, and it's very, very important. And what I think people miss about using a coach is the first thought that somebody in transition thinks of is, oh my goodness, I can't afford a coach right now. But on the other hand, whatever business or venture they're in may be failing. So it's almost as though they're shooting themselves in their own foot. Maybe they can't afford not to have a coach at a transition time like that. Yes, exactly. So I think that's a very important point that I think people need to understand when they're going through a change in their life of any kind. And it's not always a professional change. Sometimes it has to do with aging, empty nests, uh, a divorce, and you need to create a new you. There are many, many different reasons why people go through transitions and have to re and start all over again. Go through the car wash, get get the winter goo off of them, and come out on the other side shiny and sparkly and and, and all new again. So and using that example, the coach isn't in the car wash with you. They're not in the car with you. I can look at a dirty car and think, well, that's a dirty car. Here, we need to clean it here. We need to shine it here. The coach has an objectivity that we don't have when we're in the car. We've been in it so long, we can't even tell anymore what's normal or what's not, right? Mm -hmm. I know, and I think that's one of the biggest problems. That's why people need a coach, because they can't see anymore. They they Mm -hmm. just completely are overwhelmed by all of the gook and all of the stuff that they have absorbed in a negative way through that transition. Like uh, they begin to feel badly about themselves. Whatever their experience is that's making them feel so confused and lost, inside there's still a beautiful new self that's Mm -hmm. dying to come out if you let it come out. If you if you learn to be grateful for all of the things around you. You know, you said something earlier which brought me right back to a particular circumstance and 
I may have told you this once before, but you said but you were feeling so weak, even picking up a toothbrush was an effort. Something that no one ever thinks of and may get annoyed about. Oh, I've got to brush my teeth again. Three times a day I'm brushing my teeth, or however often they brush their teeth. And I remember when I went through the neck fusion, one of the bugaboos I always had when my husband drove my car. And he would take my car. He knows that I hate. I live in a state where they won't pump your gas. You have to pump your own gas. And I once saw a woman pumping her own gas, and she was holding on to the lever as she lifted the pump, and the gasoline sprayed all over her, and she was screaming. And it so upset me that he knows that I hate putting gas in my car. So he would take the car, and he would fill it up for me a couple of times a week. Really nice. But I, me, would complain the following morning when I had to leave early. He's 6'2". I'm five foot three, <laughs> and the seat was all the way back, and I would get so annoyed, I would complain. And after I had my next surgery, the fusion, I couldn't drive for months. And I said, oh, my God, I can't believe that I had the gall and the lack of gratitude to complain about the fact that even after he got the gas, to be annoyed in the morning when the seat was all the way back for his six foot two legs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, it's amazing the things that we do to ourselves that instead of being really thankful that I had a spouse willing to do this for me, knowing that I had a fear of it, I complained. So once we learn to be grateful, I think it changes it changes your whole life. Definitely. And I love that's a, just a great example where we can choose to see the gift or we can choose to focus on a drawback of the gift. It's really our choice. And I'm so guilty too. I have to say all the time, if there's a lesson in this book, it's because I'm still learning it. So I don't have this mastered by any means, but... I have learned, you know, a few things along the way, and you're just so right. And so the minute I suffer any sort of disappointment or uh, postponement, something that I really wanted, I immediately ask now, okay, there's a gift here. Let me look. Let me look. And sometimes I find it and sometimes I don't. But guess what? It feels a whole lot better believing there's a gift than believing there's not one. I think there's always a gift. I think so, too. I, sometimes you do not find out what it is, though. You know, sometimes we never really realize what it was, but I still choose to stand in gratitude, thinking maybe it's just provision or protection. Maybe I just wasn't supposed to go down that road, and I don't know why, but thank you for ending that uh, opportunity. Well, I choose, Angela, to force myself to look for the gift because it's so easy to become negative. It's so easy. Wake up in the morning and you, the coffee machine doesn't work. 
and you pick up something out of the refrigerator and the eggs fall out all over the floor and you have an appointment at, at an hour away and you've got to get out of the house and and now you you know you're you're really frustrated and you're angry <laughs> i think at that point you are going to bring on more negativity so mm-hmm. if you if you stop with the, the 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 six eggs splattered on the floor and then the, the the six or maybe five remaining that oh thank heaven didn't break in the box mm-hmm. and you you manage to clean up the mess after you've been very angry because I think it's normal we're going to get angry how could this happen today I actually say to myself maybe I'm not supposed to get on the highway for 15 minutes. Maybe this is a way to change my destiny in a positive way to protect me. And it's up to me to say, okay, this happened. I have to deal with it. And yes, I may be a bit later than I want to be for my appointment, but there is always a text message is always a way to call and say, I'm going to be 15 minutes late or whatever it is and calm down. I really have to take control of myself because I could fly off the handle very easily and, and get all bent out of shape and become just awful, negative for the rest of the day. So I really do stop and say, I don't know 15 minutes earlier if I would have been tied up in a traffic jam or been involved in an accident or something else would have happened. But I, I actually say this is saving me from something. And I, I'm, I'm with you. The only times that I struggle to find a gift is when, you know, like there's been um, two deaths recently and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not able to definitely say what the gift is in that because it sure doesn't feel like a gift. But everything that you're talking about, I do the exact same thing because we can choose to just not know or we can choose to believe. You know, I recently was snowed in for, for you know, too long because of my driveway and I thought I was going to get out one morning and I still couldn't get out and I did exactly what you did. I was like, well, that's great. You know what? I'm going to believe that there was some patch of ice that was going to be way worse and I'd be in a ditch. So I'm very thankful that I'm just stuck at home. You know, and then later on, I got out that day. So I'm like, well, I don't know if I really would have gotten stuck in the ditch. But it feels good to me to just believe there was some sort of protection in place as opposed to just it being completely random. I don't believe in random. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm with you there, too. And I do understand your hesitation about losing people in your life that you care about. And they seem like senseless deaths or the person was way too young or you weren't ready to let go. But I think with each tragedy, and I've had many, with each tragedy that I've had to experience, I have either grown, I've become stronger, and some of them feel like you're never going to get over it. Some of them feel... Like you don't want to take another breath. The pain is so bad from what you've experienced. But you do. You do. You you fight back. And I understand 
what you're saying because sometimes we lose people and we're just not ready to lose them. So I understand where you are, but I know whatever pain you experience from the death, you've grown stronger and it did teach you something. So even within that, Angela, I'm sure there's a gift. Oh, I, I totally believe it. I, these particular people um, were no were people I was not close to, but I'm I'm just sensitive when people hear the message of finding the gift. When when you're in the midst of something that very much does not feel like a gift, that can actually be annoying to hear. Find the gift, find the gift. You know, well, my daughter just died. You know, 33 years old. How could that be a gift? So I'm just sensitive to that. But I I do believe even in the gravest of situations, gifts come out of that. And and even in one of those situations that I'm talking about, um, we're already starting to see some of the gifts that that terrible situation has yielded. So it's, it's you know, it's, I do agree with you that the gifts arise out of anything and everything. And I know there are people who listen to this who will have had that experience that you just described. Somebody lost somebody way too early and they say, don't even say that to me because I can't grasp it. And they're not just annoyed. I think it, it can be hurtful. So you sure. have to be careful when you say that. And I got a phone call this morning from somebody with a lot of bad news. And I listened and I said to the person, I'm so impressed that you're even able to talk about all of this that I I can hear that you are, are learning what is something new from this. So keep going. That's all I can say. Now you talk about meditation also. That's something I have difficulty with a lot of difficulty with. And the only time I ever seem to be able to really meditate is I live in Florida when I'm in my pool alone, just floating, and with all of nature around me, the sounds of the birds or just the wind rustling through the trees, I am able to totally transcend and go to another place. But I've never successfully been able to do it within a confined a room, a house. I'm distracted. It, I, I, it doesn't, I don't get the same effect. What am I missing? What am I doing wrong? I don't think you're missing a thing. You have found your way to meditate. And in fact, I'm working on an article right now, uh, three ways to meditate at the office. And what I'm trying to do in this article is to debunk this this vision of meditation with the cross-legged person sitting on the floor with, you know, a block of uninterrupted time, eyes closed, you know, mm, um, our palms resting on our knees, thumbs touching and, you know, doing the chant thing. I mean, that's awesome and that works for so many people, but there are so many other ways to get tuned in to yourself, to tune out 
the rest of the world and the silence, all that mental chatter that, you know, I don't know about you, but attacks me all the time. And you have found your way. And that's awesome. And so, you know, there's walking meditations. And I'm, I'm kind of with you, Myra. I, um, I've, there are several apps that are helpful for guided meditation, and I have found those to be useful. But, but it, it is not as easy for me to sit down in the floor in the way that I just described and you, you referred to and meditate in that way. Um, I love to walk. And being on the ocean, you know, what you just described in your pool, there's so many ways to meditate that don't have to look like this vision that we all are conditioned to believe, well, that's real meditation. Well, that's very, very important for people to understand because the feeling of the world around you and how magnificent it is, like the ocean and the sounds, it, it just fills your mind with positive messages rather than all this self-talk that we do all the time. That If I sit down on the floor with my legs crossed and try to do that meditation thing, it lasts about three minutes and then something will pop up. Oh, you have to make a phone call. Uh, <laughs> I cannot control my mind <laughs> within the house. So... I love your advice to keep doing what works for you. If it's walking, if it's um, floating in the pool, if it's sitting on a park bench or just letting the wind blow through your hair and, and feel that power of the world around you that makes you feel glad to be alive. So, I, you know, that that's really beautiful, Angela. I love that. So that's something you talk about in the book, too, and daily meditation and mindfulness. So how would a person, for example, who's reading your book and listening to these wonderful metaphors that you find in all aspects of your life throughout several, eight years, (laughs) And they say, well, how do I begin to find my metaphors and do what you're doing? What would you recommend for them? Well, you, you kind of nailed it. When you start getting tuned into your senses, you know, it's, it's, it, you know, being present is a practice. And many of us are not geared to be present. We're in the next moment or we're, we're you know, uh, dwelling on the past moment, but we're not just being in this moment. And so the, you know, what I hope that people will get, you know, each day I have something for them to think about or consider, or maybe to look at a chair in a different way or to drive through the car wash in a different way. And so my hope is that people will realize there's ways to tune in and get present using our environment and, and, you know, one of the things I joke, you know, how do I get mindful? Well, start with your shoes. Where are your shoes? Considering not the ones in your closet, the ones that are on your feet, you know, oh, well, my feet are right here. Oh, okay. What, what, what's the feet connected to? Where's the rest of your body? And like, oh, my body's right here. I mean, we don't really think about that. We're, we're, we're looking outward. We're observing everything else, but, but ourselves. And so we can use our senses. Like you were saying, wind through your hair, what does that feel like? 
rather than just letting it happen and taking it for granted, oh, stop. Whoa, that feels nice. You know, what, you know, one of the ways to, to meditate, which really at the office or anywhere is look for three things that are the color blue. Just start looking or listen for three sounds. What are three sounds that I can hear right now? And that takes me back to one of my writings. I was having trouble that morning getting something to write about. I was feeling kind of grumpy. And then all of a sudden, I decided to close my eyes. As soon as I did, my ears kicked in and I could hear birds. Well, I know the birds didn't just fly up and start singing. They had been singing all along. But I was too preoccupied to hear them until I shut off my eyes. So the point is tune into your senses and, and it's just it's just a practice and you just start today with, you know, looking down at your feet, you know, thinking about what you're smelling or what you're hearing or, you know, what you're feeling. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. And just listening to your voice is a very positive experience for me. And I hope it is for all our listeners. This has been a shot in the arm, a wake up call. And when you tend to forget who you are and what your real purpose is, pick up Angela's book and be mindful again. Find your gratitude, take a walk, meditate, and realize that that life is what we make it and there is a gift in everything. There really is. Angela, finding the gift, I want to wish you all the luck. This was wonderful. I know it's going to be a huge, huge success. And uh, are you doing a book tour that is in the works, and um, so thank you so much for, for, for saying that, and I, I do want to leave everyone who's listening with a gift. Anyone that subscribes to my blog post, which is at findingthegift.com, I will immediately send them a free ebook, 10 Secrets to Finding the Gift in Their Own Life. Wow, that sounds wonderful. I hope everybody feels a lot better after finding the 10 <laughs> secrets to finding the gift of reading it. I know they will. Angela, this has been wonderful. You're always welcome to come back. Do you have uh, one last word of inspiration you'd like to leave with the listeners today? You know what came to my mind? Start right now. Don't listen to this and think, oh, that sounds so nice. That's probably something I should think about or do. Start right now. End this call and take two minutes just to get present and notice what's going on right now. What is your heart saying? What is your mind telling you? What is your body feeling? That's it. Just start. Amen. (laughs) Thank you so much, Myra, for having me today. You are a delight as always. Well, thank you so much so much and thank you for listening today in cyberspace you can find us on facebook.com forward slash never say impossible radio remember to like the page when you visit you can also find us listed as and these are capital letters msi the ampu sign for and d-o-o-d radio which is never say impossible and dancing on our disabilities radio on stitcher iTunes, 
and of course on my website and talkshoe.com in the show archives. And until next time, never say impossible. You've been listening to Never Say Impossible, a show created to inspire, motivate, and inform the public with unique guests and content. NSI is a powerful way to connect with millions of people all over the world. Visit NSI at Myra's website, www.myragoldick.com. new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.